Good morning, everybody. We made it. Uh, my name is Mallory Ruark. Uh, I'm part of the preaching team here at the table. And it's my privilege to proclaim good news to you this morning in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So back in 2011, I lived in Costa Rica for the summer. Um, I got to live with just really incredible house parents. And I got to serve as an intern at a mission project down there. And if you know what the definition of intern is, you know that I did the most chaotic, random tasks. Iguana Patrol was a fun one. The squirrels of Costa Rica. <laughs> now, the, the mission that I served at had just a row of group homes for children. Um, so that was here on the project. In the middle was a church. There was this multi-purpose building. And on the first row, there was daycare. And on the top, there were these classrooms where people would come in and they'd teach different trades to people in the community. And then to the left, there was this gigantic construction site. The project was constantly expanding. There, that place was chef's kiss. It was... It was great. Um, well, while I was down there, there'd be these short-term mission trips that come down. Uh, and I know that that's a spicy topic. Um, <laughs> but in this instance, <laughs> it was a really good <laughs> version of short-term missions. Um, and so what they do is they come in and they'd alleviate some of the daycare workers doing different lessons for the kids, or they would come and lift concrete bags. So I didn't have to do it. It was great. But when they'd come, the leader of the project would always give the spiel about the project, right? How do we get here? How are connections made? Where are we going? What's next? And it was a really beautiful time. The, the people who were there serving got to take a break, so they were real happy. Um, and the leader, he had the same uh, speech for every group. And it always started as him with the doubting Thomas. Look at this spectacular mission. I couldn't have fathomed it. Me, lowly me, little faith, little belief. But look what God had done. And I think there is definitely some goodness to making sure that this isn't a celebration of human effort, but that God had done miraculous things. I think that's really important. But I think it was all really hard to put it in the context of Thomas as this person who just couldn't get his act together. The doubting Thomas, right? This feels a little bit like you've ever heard the Debbie Downer. Everybody named Debbie, everybody named Thomas, like bless your heart, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but the thing about Thomas is it isn't just a story of unbelief. Church today we proclaim the good news that in the midst of our pain, suffering, and confusion, Christ meets us today. The resurrected body of Christ bears witness to our humanity and gives us eyes to see the inbreaking of the realm of God around us. Receive resurrection hope. Now in our text, much like last week, the disciples are still on lockdown. First, because the revolutionary of their cause is dead. 
Spoiler alert, Jesus was crucified. And now, because the revolutionary's body is gone, spoiler alert, Jesus resurrected. <laughs> Mary, Peter, and John have witnessed Christ's resurrected body, and a little later, more disciples will have witnessed Christ's resurrected body. But that doesn't change the fact that Rome is royally perturbed, that Christ's body is missing. The disciples got to lay low. They know that Jesus is risen, but Rome is still Roman. We often read this story. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> but we often read this story as a fly-under-the-radar story. Jesus did this thing that nobody was expecting, and so nobody's really paying attention. Thomas doubts, then he doesn't. All's well that ends well. Jesus is at the right hand of God. Amen. But it's, right. but it's a little different. Things are a little bit different in the historical context. The doctrine of resurrection is alive and popping among the Pharisees. Resurrection isn't a new idea. The Jewish people are longing and hoping and praying for resurrection because that's the sign of the Messianic age. And in fact, Jesus being crucified is in line with what's happened to previous revolutionaries. Many others have been crucified at the hands of Rome, and several of those people's followers had stolen their bodies, claiming resurrection. Sealing the tomb with the guards making a lot of sense. Rome is prepped for these things. Pontius Pilate sends out the guards with the direct orders, no more of those resurrection shenanigans. We don't need another weekend at Bernie's situation. Lock it down. <laughs> it's paraphrased. <laughs> While Jesus is visiting his followers and spreading hope, Rome is looking for someone to blame for the missing body so the revolution is squashed out once and for all. Mary and the other disciples are rejoicing in secrecy. John and Peter are arguing who can run faster. And our boy Thomas is very reasonably confused. Thomas suddenly becomes one of the most relatable characters in the story. He saw Christ crucified. Rome is out to scapegoat somebody. The story of resurrection has been proclaimed before. And I can hear Thomas now. We're in hiding. The empire is out to get us. If Jesus is alive, where is he? This doesn't feel like resurrection. Or how about Thomas's potential internal narrative? All these people say that they saw Jesus. Is there something wrong with me? Did Jesus forget me? I sometimes wonder if Thomas's statement about seeing the wombs of Jesus is less about proof and more about a desperation for hope. He's longing for his savior. Beloved, the resurrection has happened, but we too are longing for our savior. Today we proclaim the good news that in the midst of our pain and suffering and confusion, Christ meets us today. Thomas says, I need some proof of this resurrection. Unless I see those nail marks and put my hand in the wound of his side, I can't believe. Can you hear the exhaustion? This isn't snootiness, this is hopelessness. 
The text says, eight days later, Jesus came, though the doors were shut, and stood among them and said, peace be with you all. The text goes on to say, Jesus saying to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Bring your hand and put it in my side. And do not doubt, rather believe. Jesus gives a blessing of peace to all in hiding from empire. And then he moves to give explicit words of encouragement and transformation to Thomas. In the midst of the disciples' pain and suffering in the world, when Rome seems to be winning, peace be with you all. In the midst of Thomas's doubt, Tom, look, Thomas. He says, look, come and see. Come see and believe. Peace be with you is a comfort, yes, but Jesus doesn't give us niceties and hopeful thinking through his life, death, and resurrection. Well, don't get me wrong, I receive it, wash it over. But Jesus also bears witness to us in reality. And this is where Thomas's and our transformations happen. Thomas said he needed proof eight days ago to the disciples, and Jesus shows up and moves straight to Thomas with the sacred, I see you. This is Jesus saying, I heard you, Thomas. Here, touch my hands, feel my side. And this is Thomas standing before Jesus, gulping in resurrection hope. Jesus says, I see you. Now see me. Jesus' resurrected body holds the scars of the crucifixion. They are a message in and of themselves. They seem to say, Thomas, you thought I'd forgotten you. You thought I'd abandoned you. Look here. Look at my scars. When I got them, I thought I'd been abandoned too. This is a divine me too moment. The wounds, the scars, all of my humanity, my solidarity with you, my love for you. It's right here, Thomas. Look and see. See to my resurrection, the power to overthrow death and destruction, my love to overcome the grave and bring you with me, the very realm of God, in breaking into this world. The world around Thomas doesn't look like resurrection, but everything changes. When Thomas gazes on the resurrection of Christ, and Christ gazes back. The resurrected body of Christ bears witness to our humanity. And it gives us eyes to see the inbreaking of the realm of God around us. Beloved, can you relate to Thomas this morning? One more shooting. Bomb threats. Not out there, here. Our kids. All the while gun conventions are in session up the block. One more unjust law for those already oppressed. This doesn't feel like resurrection. 
One of the things I admire most about Thomas is he doesn't fake it till he makes it. There is no, if I just believe harder, I can trust that Jesus is up to something. No, if I'm just more grateful that my friend saw Jesus, I can find resurrection hope. No. There's no, if I just choose a positive attitude, Rome won't feel so terrifying. Thomas names explicitly the hopelessness in him and around him, and that's exactly where Jesus meets him. Friends, do you know of resurrection this morning, but still hold your doubts today? Still feel overwhelmed at the world around you? Still can't fathom how the world here can exist when resurrection's already happened? Because me too. No need to hide those things away, beloved. This morning, let Christ gaze upon them and let yourself gaze upon Christ. When we do this, we start to see the resurrection power taking root in the world around us. We see members of our community serving those who have been traumatized. We see members of our community creating safe havens for children whose schools have been threatened. We see us gathering each and every week in a space that while the world may say differently, Everyone is safe and welcome here. We welcome and affirm all of humanity. We start to see that the celebration of resurrection isn't just happiness. It's marching. It's new psalm songs. It's gathering around dinner tables. It's grieving together, cooking for each other. It's lamenting the systems of injustice. It's showing up each and every week and making Eucharist together to gather together and have the priest consecrate the elements and hold them before you and say, Beloved, behold what you are and become what you receive. Christ gazing upon every part of you and you gazing upon Christ, resurrection, hope. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who have believed and not seen. Beloved, that's you. Let us respond today by naming where we need Christ's loving gaze, where we need our eyes opened to the resurrection hope taking root around us, and today when the priest proclaims your belovedness with the gifts of God raised high, receive resurrection hope. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.